Welcome to the Infinitum Podcast. The idea of surrender is so important because it's the main difference between believing in a God and living for Him. For me, surrender is about looking at those areas of our lives where we'd have a tendency to turn inwards and just be governed by our own inward desires. Um, and it's looking at those areas and giving them over to God and looking to Him to change us. Yeah, just journeying with Jesus, surrender means um, like it's a daily thing, you know, and I, I'm constantly being brought back to this place of needing to surrender to Him and you need to recognize my need of Him and my dependency on Him. For me, surrender is about the decisions and choices I make daily. It's letting go of the urge to do things my way with my sinful nature in the driving seat. Surrender is about following the Jesus way of tackling any given situation or circumstance even, and especially if it's the uncomfortable way to go. Surrender is untangling myself from my own agenda. I think for me, yeah, the song, um, prone to wander, Lord I feel it, prone to leave the God I love, um, comes back to me all the time and, and just surrendering that, um, that wanderlust, if you will, or you know, whatever, and, and realising um, just daily, like, I, I need to lay all of me down and, and, and just recognise my need um, for God daily. Instead of control, I can rest. Instead of feeling that that weight of anxiety and that burden of being responsible for every single aspect of my circumstances. In 1904, a young man named William Borden graduated from high school in Chicago. To celebrate his achievements and success, his parents organized a special gift for his graduation, a tour around the world. Borden's family owned the large Borden Dairy Estate and was one of the wealthiest families in Chicago. His father was one of a few millionaires in the world at that time, and Borden was set to inherit and run the family business. It was a September day when Borden set out from San Francisco with his companion and guide, Mr. Walter Erdman. Together they journeyed through Asia, Europe and the Middle East, seeing sights only a few had the privilege of seeing at that time. But for Borden, something much more significant caught his attention. The people. Day after day, Borden encountered people from countless countries and cultures, with many suffering in poverty. With a strong faith from an early age, he was shocked to discover so many people groups and communities that never heard about Jesus. When he wrote home to his mother and family, he said, I have so much of everything in this life, and there are so many millions who have nothing and live in darkness. I don't think it is possible to realize it until one sees the East. I know it's no easy thing to serve the Lord, but others have been enabled to do so, and there is no reason why I should not. Mark 10, verse 27. As he continued his travels, he encountered many missionaries who had left their families, homes and countries to serve the poor and share the good news of Jesus. He wrote back to his parents, I've never thought very seriously about being a missionary until lately, and I may be a little premature, but I'm beginning to think a little different. This curiosity that grew quickly turned to commitment as he travelled through Europe. He made note of this small prayer in his diary. Lord Jesus, I take hands off as far as my life is concerned. I put thee on the throne in my heart. Change, cleanse, use me as thou shalt choose. I take the full power of thy Holy Spirit. I thank thee. Borden returned from his travels in 1905 and entered Yale University. It was clear that there was something different about this young William Borden. One of his friends wrote, 
He came to college far ahead spiritually of any of us. He had already given his heart in full surrender to Christ and had really done it. He had formed his purpose to be a foreign missionary and through college and seminary that purpose never wavered. We who were his classmates learned to lean on him and found him a strength that was as solid as a rock just because of this settled purpose and consecration. In his first semester, Borden began to meet together with a friend to pray over breakfast. It was only a short time before they were joined by a third, and then a fourth. The numbers grew. By the end of his first year, 150 were meeting together for these meetings. By his fourth year at the university, they had 1,000 out of a total of 1,300 Yale students attending these Bible studies. The students began to divide up the entire student body and assigning each person certain student to reach and encourage to join the weekly prayer groups and Bible studies. Every once in a while, a name would arise of someone that none of the leaders wanted to reach out to or even speak to. And every time, after a lengthy pause, Borden would quietly say, Put that one down for me. While the Bible study groups grew... Borden also started the Yale Hope Mission, providing food, shelter and the gospel to the city's marginalised. He frequently led students down from the university and worked with those on the streets. The project exceeded their expectations and in one year, 14,000 men attended the gospel meetings, 17,000 received a warm meal and 8,000 found a place to sleep. He freely gave his time and resources to help develop the work. At this time, a visiting British theologian was asked what he found most impressive about all of America. He replied quite simply, the sight of that young millionaire kneeling in prayer beside a bum at the Yale Hope Mission. One of Borden's friends summed it up perfectly. No one would have known from Borden's life and talk that he was a millionaire, but no one could have helped knowing that he was a Christian. It was during this time Borden attended a conference where Samuel Zwemer, a famous missionary to Egypt spoke of 15 million Chinese Muslims with no single missionary witness. Borden's spirit was roused, resolute and determined. He would prepare for China. He jotted down in his diary a simple line, say yes to Jesus and no to self every time. After graduation, Borden continued his studies in Princeton and was later ordained at his home church in Chicago. It was following this he had the chance to enroll with the China Inland Mission. Borden set his mind on the north-central Gansu province in China and the three million Chinese Muslims that lived there. As his missionary trip required learning Arabic and knowledge of Islam, he set to sail on December 17, 1912 for Cairo, Egypt, to study. Borden's prominence caught the media's interest with the front-page headline, Millionaire Gives Up All. In Cairo, Borden joined with Samuel Zwemer and began to study and work. He chose to live with a Syrian family in the neighbourhood of Shubra. As expected, it wasn't long before he was organising a scripture distribution campaign to the whole city. 800,000 people in total. But for Borden, working closely with a number of different people also exposed him to a number of diseases. After just three months of study and evangelism, something happened to William that shocked the world. The passionate young missionary contracted spinal meningitis. And within a month, William Borden had died. Borden's Bible was found with three small phrases written in the margins. No retreat, no reserves, no regrets. 
unexpected and tragic news for so many, but the responses that came back shone a light on his powerfully significant life. Walter Erdman, his travel companion from when he was younger, said, I have been thinking more and more since the news came that the length of time God permits us to stay here is not related to a certain amount of work he wants us to do, so much as to a certain closeness of relationship to himself he wants us to attain. Sherwood Day, the young missionary and friend of Borden, wrote, I have absolutely no feeling of a life cut short. A life abandoned to Christ cannot be cut short. Cut short means not complete, interrupted. And as we know, our master does no halfway jobs. We must pray now that those to whom God wants this to appeal may listen. I'm sure we can feel that he wants to use it and that he counts on us to help. In her book on Borden's life, Mrs. Howard Taylor wrote, It's the surrendered life that counts, for through it, God can work. That was the story of William Borden, an incredible life surrendered to God. We're going to hear a little bit more about surrender from a discussion between Phil Wall and Danielle Strickland as they reflected on the different vows of infinitum. And so this month, we're just going to drop into the conversation about surrender, why that's so important and what that means. So here's Phil Wall and Danielle Strickland on surrender. What would be the buckets, if you like? What would be the, the places that we could place um, all these things that we wanted to be at the heart of a really focused life living with deep intent. And so we started uh, with surrender. Um, as Daniel says, it, it's the permanent posture of a disciple. It's uh, that um, open-handed thing which, which was kind of lifts up God and say, God, it's all yours. It all belongs to you. Uh, but of course, God, you've entrusted it to me. And you said it belongs to me. What I need to do is now give it back. Right. And... Um, and we realized when we thought about our lives, our possessions, our careers, our ministries, our reputations, you know, our homes, our kids, you know, that actually a really important part of the discipline of every disciple every day, that posture is to give it all back. I'm a parent of uh, three children, not, uh, they'll always be my babies, but they're not babies anymore. But I do remember quite clearly each of their dedication services. We, in the Salvation Army, we don't really do the christening thing or the baptism thing, but we do dedicate. And the process takes place whereby the parent at one point gives the child over to the pastor, the, the Salvation Army officer who's there, uh, who then dedicates the baby. And we just kind of that symbolic thing of giving the children back to God who's given them first to us. And it's really just that, that every single day we're surrendering our motives our dreams our ambitions our possessions our fears our anxieties every aspect of who we are saying god i'm surrendering this to you and your purposes and your will because you know what best to do it is the most basic and the most profound thing surrender right it's the most basic thing because it's the way into the kingdom there's no other way in there's no other posture that you can assume the only way you can get in is to be surrendered so it's like uh, in recovery communities the the only way into recovery is to admit you can't do it (laughs) so it's it's like it's counterintuitive because you think oh great i'm going to get to it i'm going to get like i'm going to do recovery and then the first step of recovery is to admit you can't and the same is true in the christian faith is is this i give up you know so my my favorite way to describe surrender is i give up I don't have this. I can't do this. Like this is beyond me. This I, this life of following Jesus, I cannot do. And this is, I think, Jesus says, you know, lose your life in order to gain it. Like there, there has to be this willingness to give up uh, before before you begin. So, 
I think that's ultimately for me, this posture of surrender. And, you know, we have that beautiful William Booth uh, quote, the, the greatness of a man is measured or the power of a man, the greatness of a man is measured not in his skill or abilities, but is in his surrender. Um, and that's true. You know, everybody would testify that people that we aspire to be like, you know, the ones that are most like Jesus would say, I mean, even Jesus himself, right. To say like, I don't do anything that I don't first see the father doing, living a completely surrendered, uh, life, um, up even surrendering up until the, the, the point of death, right. Not giving up. So surrendered seems to me to be a sum up of the essential, the most basic way in. So if you if you don't know how to follow Jesus, the, the most basic way is to surrender, is to give up, trying to do it yourself, to give up. And this is also combating religiousness, which is to say, try harder, do more stuff, try more discipline, try to, you know, try to measure up, try to do these. And this is this uh, equivalent to trying to get yourself clean uh, by showering without water. I don't know if you've ever tried that in some of your trips to Uganda. There, it does a couple things. One, it hurts. <laughs> You're trying to shower without water. You just get a bar of soap without any way to lather it, and it just simply hurts. And also, it doesn't work. It doesn't get you clean, which is to try to follow Jesus without surrendering is literally trying to get clean without water. Um, it won't work. And so this protects, I think, the disciple from being religious. You know, this is not just about adding something to your life. This is literally about giving up and allowing God to do something in you. So the posture is surrender. It's counterintuitive for people like you and me, it seems to me. I'm a functional person. You give me something to do. I want to do a run a race. I want to do a tough mutter. You give me disciplines. I, I can do it. So religiosity is really easy for me because I can just be like, tell me what to do and I'll do it. And surrender, uh, the posture of surrender is the opposite of religiosity. It's I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And that admission, that recognition, that that like posture shift is just so profound uh, for somebody like me to every day say, I don't have this. I can't do this today. There is no way actually I can be like Jesus today. God, you're going to have to help me. It seems to me that that's that posture for me, the intensity of it, the profoundness of it, and also the simplicity of it. It, it, it frees me somehow. It saves me from myself. Well, I think that's the power of it is that it's that, you know, it's the setting free-ness of it, mm-hmm. which is so powerful. Mm-hmm. And as we think about, you know, how do we live the most powerful lives and the most focused lives, it's part of it is getting rid of the clutter and surrendering the clutter, which gets in the way. And uh, what has been interesting is some of the conversations I've had with people who are sharing this journey with us, you know, um, people, leaders in, in denominations. It doesn't really matter what the label is, you know, whether you're Anglican, Methodist, Baptist, Salvation Army, whatever. It doesn't really matter. The same is true across it, that each of those denominations is always at its most powerful when it's least self-aware. Mm-hmm. Because then it's not about the denominational label. Right. It's about Jesus. Right. It's just about him. Right. And so, you know, giving up our, our false identities, giving up our false hierarchies, our, our false labels, our, the false things which we, we put so much store into, you know, the big house, the big car, all that, all that stuff, saying, Jesus, this all belongs to you, mm-hmm. you know. And that, of course, is just good theology. You mm-hmm. know, Simon says, you know, the earth is the Lord's and everything mm-hmm. in it. You, it's funny because I've been... I've always used Samson as sort of a prototype uh, in my life, sort of because he's someone who really loved to pick a fight mm. and uh, fought against the oppressors and just his whole life, that's all he did was pick fights. And so I really like him. <laughs> and because uh, he just demonstrated, you know, just demonstrated the oppression by picking a fight. And and then, you know, at the end of his life, he's compromised, he's blinded, he's mocked by the enemy. You know, it's this posture of total, really, oppression. And... 
the scripture says that his last act, you know, in this last act, he took more of the enemy out than in all of his previous acts before that, where he finally finds the strength within himself to give himself up. And it's that posture of surrender, you know, that that is the most powerful posture of a disciple because it's that final posture to say, this is not no longer about me. And you see this life of strength and like fighting and like justice and like freedom from the Philistines and like all these like great acts of Samson, like no one like him in the land. And then all of a sudden he realizes, wait a minute, this might not be about me. And in that final act of surrender, he takes out more of the enemy than in all acts, of course, foreshadowing Christ's final surrender and rendering death and sin and, uh, you know, dead forever. And just this, this, and, and just to think like that really, that's what it is, you know? And so I, I feel like every day when I go, I give up, I put up my hands in that daily prayer. And I just, I, I literally say, I give up. I don't have this. I can't do this. And I do it because my natural inclination inclination is to say, Oh, I got this. <laughs> I got this one. I can do this. Oh, be like Jesus on it. You know, uh, like white on rice. Yeah, that's right. I got this. I can be better than any other disciple, you know, like whatever. And it's literally the opposite posture that is a disciple's posture to say, I don't have this. I'm going to need some help. And, um, it's, it's liberating. As Bonhoeffer says, when Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. And that's what surrender is about. Thank you for listening to this Infinitum podcast. We hope it's been helpful for you on your journey. We'd love to hear your stories. You can send us an email at contactinfinitumlife.com or you can contact us through our Facebook page. And we'd love to know how the journey is going for you. We hope this has been a blessing and encouragement. And until next time, goodbye.